So Matthew, when Matthew turned up in the recording room this week, he, his name was just Matthew. And I said, just Matthew this week? And he went, oh, I couldn't think of anything. And then he, he said, right, hang on. Was I'll he straining name? to take a dump? No, he was very... I was, <laughs> was just I was trying to do a sort of slight nasal impression of me, I think. <laughs> yeah. And he said, right, hang on, I'll, I'll use a name generator and I'll use the first thing it gives me. So he went out and came back into the room. And this name generator was specific. It was a normal. It wasn't like a fantasy one. It wasn't like a historical fiction one. And it was set to English names. So this English is an allegedly names. yeah, an allegedly normal English male name. So this week, Matthew, you are Wolf Carlton. <laughs> I know a juggler called Wolf. Well, there we go then. You see, it is normal. <laughs> if jugglers could be deemed normal, uh, not at all. <laughs> Welcome, listener, to the Electronic Wireless Show, Rock Paper Shotgun's PC gaming podcast, and the only podcast you need, in my opinion. This is episode 188, uh, the best noble failures in PC games. My name is Alice Bell, and I'm joined this week not only by Wolf Carlton. <laughs> Hello. Normal Englishman, Wolf Carlton, <laughs> but also Sir Clarence Letdown. <laughs> yes, uh, the most noble of failures. Very good. Very good. I'm an indeed. aristocrat, and I've never achieved anything. So a normal aristocrat. Da, 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 da. Oh, hang on. So a normal aristocrat. Destroyed <laughs> <laughs> in seconds. I was I was going to do a riff on... I was trying to think of something to do with John Noble from Lord of the Rings, but... My line has ended. Yeah. Wood and oil. I just, don't, I just don't have the material. Can you sing Master Hobbit? <laughs> I can't. I'm a disappointment. <laughs> What do we think, Wolf? Is Wolf Carlton a juggler? Are we going with that? Uh, well, I'm not. This Wolf Carlton isn't. I haven't got the coordination for it. Email us, listener, podcast at rockpapershotgun.com and give us a brief backstory for Wolf Carlton. Write a short <laughs> 500 words story. <laughs> Let's get him on the wiki, actually. I, I like the wiki for the podcast. It's slowly <laughs> growing, and I like that. Yeah, if, write, write your your backstories for Wolf Carlton and we'll pick the best one and then Nate will do a dramatic reading of it and we'll we'll put it in the wiki. <laughs> Wolf Carlton has a tiny bit of Tobias Beckford energy. Just a little a bit, doesn't he? Yeah, a little bit. A little oh, bit. While, while we're talking community stuff, can I just express my heartfelt respect to Bjorn off of the RPS Electronic Wireless Show Discord, who's just been doing these really great like long posts in the channel about uh, after a Nate Files episode, we talk what, what's the minimum size a vertebrate could be. These like a professional animal. He's human. on it, yeah. And he's just doing these incredibly interesting, really detailed but completely comprehensible, like pop science posts about vertebrate scaling. And like a certain kind of person, hopefully that will entice you to join the Discord. The rest of the 90% of the human population will probably not join the Discord now, but it's okay. I didn't want you anyway. Um, so thanks to Bjorn, like a, a scholar and a communicator. Lovely fellow. Yeah. You, don't, you don't get no, that on the kind of funny podcast. No, you don't. <laughs> yeah, speaking of. But uh, yeah, shout out to Discord, who also, there's the, the science and the interesting facts, uh, but there's also at the moment a discussion, I believe, about how you would cast a fighting game where all the characters were uh, from beloved UK uh, and Irish sitcoms. Uh, which I know that like, is- everyone who produces any kind of content online like pretends that their community is a load of really nice people, but ours actually is. I genuinely enjoy spending time <laughs> online with them, and I find it disconcerting because that shouldn't happen. But yeah, they're great. We should do a meetup one day. One day. Yeah. 
Um, live cavern of liars in an actual cave we'll just go to wookie hole and just lie our tits off (laughs) (laughs) be amazing Uh, i remember when i (laughs) when i first joined endgamer in my first job i was on miserable pay as a staff writer i think i was paid 13 and a half grand and i remember at the time reading in the local newspaper they were recruiting like the witch of Wookie Hole, as in an actor to go there yeah. and like jump out of like I don't know a f- crack or whatever happens in Wookie <laughs> Hole. Oh, I don't know. I listen. Looking I don't for know an what. incredibly I flat actor. <laughs> <laughs> but they were paid like the like the salary was something ludicrous, like fifty grand, and it just really stuck with me because I was like had my dream job and was paid pennies and. You're like, could I? Could I be the witch of Wookie Hole? Like, could that? Is that actually what I should be doing? Is that what the universe is trying to tell me? Can but, you imagine the different trajectory your life could have taken had you yeah. become a pro witch? <laughs> uh, but I don't. Toss a coin to your witch. <laughs> what? What would be do do your best Wookie Hole witch then, Matthew? What would be your? Well, is it you know it's pretty a cliched cackle kind of. Uh, yeah. Welcome to the cave. <laughs> That's good. I was I, got I no was ready to yeah I, I was ready to make fun of you, but that was genuinely really good. Thanks. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I could have been the warlock of Cheddar Gorge and we could have had like a rivalry. I want this this timeline. It sounds wicked. Does Cheddar Gorge have a thing? Probably a warlock. Well, I don't know. Because like, Wiki, Wiki Hole is famous for the witch. Um, I've never I, heard of it. Yeah, they've got this. Cause there's a rock hole. that's shaped like a witch and they've kind of like turned that into like their Mickey Mouse, I guess. <laughs> you know, oh, like... I thought it was the big hairy man who flies the spaceship. What? What? <laughs> what are you talking about? You know, he's doing uh, the tube back a, a bit. belt and a yeah. crossbow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, he goes. Yeah. Uh, oh, Any... good. redeemed oh, him yeah, with the impression. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> glad I pulled that one out. To be honest, that was getting shit fast. Wookie Hole is is quite a notorious thing because it's all like the cave, and it's all sort of superstitious and strange. And you see the aforementioned rock, and maybe a witch slips out of a crack. But then you leave the cave, and they've that got... That sounded bad that time, Matthew. They've got, a, they've got a recreation of, like, a Victorian arcade. At least they did when I went about 25 years ago. Yeah. So you go from sort of cave to weird sort of penny penny games in an arcade. Have they got like Victorian time crisis? Arcade. Have they got what? Uh, sorry, Victorian dino crisis. Uh, <laughs> I really <laughs> stuffed dinosaurs. that by getting the name of the game wrong. Did they know about dinosaurs in the Victorian era? Yeah, they invented them. Oh, well, there you go. Then they probably did. Have, they were having a dino crisis, everyone, 24-7. <laughs> I think we should rename the Victorian area as the dino crisis. <laughs> yeah, I like that. That would make history shows on the BBC way much more fun. Like The church was having a dino crisis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I made the joke. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, that's all, that's all my wiki hole stuff. All right, there you go. Let's see Wookie Hole bit. Uh, any news from you this week, Nate? Because I asked Matthew how he was, and he said, I've done so little this week that a time traveller could kill me and it would have no effect. <laughs> so. I've, I've had quite a productive week, actually. What have I done? Oh, okay. Uh, here's a little Goblin Cars update for you. Do you know those um, massive bucket wheel excavators off of Germany? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that are like 200 metres long and can like eat a mountain in an hour or whatever. Yeah, uh, I found like an old model kit of one on eBay, which is about as big as an Alsatian. Um, oh my god! And it was going cheap, and I've bought it. Oh no! <laughs> uh, it's really it's got so many girders. Like to a normal human, it would be the most boring model kit imaginable because it's just basically a bin bag full of tiny girders. But to me, that's Willy Wonka's golden ticket. That is. See, I was hoping you were going to say you ordered it, it arrived, you opened it up, and it was actually a man holding a newspaper, looking (laughs) looking impressed by the digger. (laughs) No, there's there's not not a a Gallic deception to be seen. It's just all bucket excavation all the time. Nice. Um, 
So I'm making uh, I'm making an orc sewage treatment plant out of it. Good. <laughs> in in tradition with my making like the most mundane possible Warhammer 40k models. <laughs> I've aren't even, they, uh, aren't, aren't the orcs too chaotic to bother with things like infrastructure? No, no. If I mean, like, my theory is, do you remember in Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome where they've got all the pigs shitting under the town and Tina Turner's turning it into um, biofuel to run the electricity? Yeah. So basically, I reckon if the orcs end up on a planet without any petrol, they'll just shit loads and use a big refinery to make fuel. That's uh, that's the law behind this project. Cool. I'm deadly serious about this stuff. I really am. I don't know, man. I worry that you're gonna get models of increasing size, and until they they eclipse your house. Well, that was gonna happen with fish tanks, but then the cost of electricity tripled. So I guess we can all be thankful that this particular raging obsession isn't going to lead to my house becoming actual Dagobah. You know, what? swings where, and swings and roundabouts. Where have you put all your fish? Are they in f- sort of consolidated into fewer fish tanks? Yeah, because they were all really, really lightly stocked. So it was little fish swimming around in big spaces, and now it's little fish in slightly, well, more little fish in less big spaces. Also, a lot of the fish I've got because I like really tiny ones only live like a year or two. So. Just being realistic about it, there is a natural die-off rate, and I'm just not replacing them, which is just the brutal economy of the pond. (laughs) Wow. Did you see, I I don't know if you saw it, but there's a guy who bought a house that has like a reservoir that was used for water storage, basically for the house, before it got, you know, plumbing, or like was connected to the plumbing infrastructure. Yeah. And he's turning it into an eel cave. No way. Wait, did you send me a link to this? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I tweeted it at you. I thought I dreamed that. It's real. <laughs> oh, I need to go back and read that. That's amazing. He's documenting it on TikTok, but he's getting... He was he was about to put the eels in. He might have them by now, but the guy was like, don't have enough eels, mate. I can get you the eels in two weeks. So he was getting some other fish from Finally, there'll be a reason to tick the eel cave uh, search criteria on Zoopla. <laughs> <laughs> that's so exciting i thought you'd like that i do uh, and hopefully it all goes well because he's he's you know put a lot of effort in because it would be a, a shame yeah if you bought a house in a few years somewhere in america and you know you saw the remains of an eel cave and realized that it had been a failure but you know a noble failure <laughs> I, I would use the existence of an eel cave to barter the price down on the house I that's just realised you did a, a segue. A you trampled oh, my I'm segue. I'm so sorry. I, I blundered straight into it. Well, just, no, it's just a sign of how natural they're just, getting. Just, just delete me. Delete me out of this. <laughs> no, we're going to leave it in. I thought because... we were still talking eel cave. I thought we had like a few more minutes. Of I, that. I've got a lot more questions about the eel cave. We did a really, really brief um, <laughs> cold open today. So no, no, come on. We... <laughs> Does he want the eels as mates? Is is he going to sell them? What's his game? He just wants an eel cave. In the same way that you filled a room with aquariums. Oh, what dude? He's just got, he just wants a big underground cave full of eels. That's all I've got for you. But I'm not deleting any of that because, because you made my segue into a noble failure, Matthew. Oh, she's done it again. So this is a Nate suggested theme is it not it is indeed yeah i can't remember what led me to think of the idea but i really i've got a lot of respect for games that try something big absolutely beef it but can't really in good conscience be described as bad because someone had to take the risk and if it hadn't happened we wouldn't know true so what should i kick us off yeah what have you So I was going to say Jurassic Park Trespasser, Um. which is just an abomination to play. (laughs) Like, it's the opposite of fun, but it was such a creative game. And, like, little bits of its DNA have actually survived into the present. Other things, thankfully, haven't. So that was the one where your health was a tattoo of a heart. Yeah. You could look down on. And, you know, that's been done 
to good effect several times. And, you know, it, hey, it may be there's a precedent for that happening before Trespasser, but if there is, yeah, I never researched these things before I talk about them. I don't know about it. <laughs> then there was the weird picking things up controls because it kind of had something in common with sort of QWERTY games, you know, and things like Surgeon Simulator where you control different parts of limbs and sort of flail. Unfortunately, it put this into an incredibly tense survival game where you're being hunted down by raptors. Um, So it's quite nightmarish. But I really liked the ambition behind that because, you know, I always do find it a little flat that in this day and age, we're still just happy to accept these weird conventions games have, like people just being able to hold a million guns and just whipping yeah. them out and basically have it be a static extension of your body. Because, I'll, admittedly, I have extremely scant experience with firearms. Uh, but it's an immensely... I did go to a shooting range once in America, and it's, it's an immensely tactile experience. Well, I say a shooting range. I went out into the woods and shot an old telly with a magnum. It was incredible. Um, <laughs> but it's a hugely tactile experience, you know, where you sort of... You know, thumbling to to and look, I write a lot of gun stuff in 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 books, and when you think about the process, yeah, there's loads of just like moving different objects around and reloading mm. and stuff, and I think just like whacking out and occasionally mashing R to reload, it makes it easy to forget what a, a weird and powerful thing a gun is. Mm. Whereas you know, Trespasser was really trying to make things a bit more real, got a bit too real. Yeah, I get that with the gun thing. The problem with Trespasser is it makes even the basic act of picking up any common object equally difficult. Yeah. Which doesn't really reflect real life. You know, like I can pick up an apple without like slapping myself in the face. In Trespasser, that's quite a feat. Well, yeah, one of the advantages like we have as it on any given day is that we've got our entire lifetime's worth of muscle memory backing up every action. And Trespasser basically like conjures the scenario of a person cursed with the muscle memory of a newborn baby <laughs> trying to like, negotiate their way through a dinosaur-infested hell. <laughs> it's like, you know, technically you could ballet dance, you know, but <laughs> you've got to figure it out from first principles while a T-Rex is trying to put you in its stomach. <laughs> I remember reading about that game you know, in like PC Gamer and whatever about mm. like, and thinking, wow, imagine that, like a full, a fully controllable arm. There couldn't be anything better. Like the idea of that seems so exciting. Like anything, I think that was the period of time where like any game that like really tried to sort of um, simulate, you know, real life in incredible depth just mm. really resonated with me. It was like that also, I think, sort of similar-ish time, like reading about Shenmue, where it was like, you can open every drawer in the world and thinking like, <laughs> well, holy <laughs> shit, imagine that. Every drawer you can open. And then when you get to it, you're like, oh yeah, there sure is a lot of boring drawers in this world. Um, <laughs> and it has a similar kind of thing. When you play the demo of it, you're like, oh yeah, I'm having to learn to use an arm again. And it kind of sucks. Yeah. Well, I mean, it... it- to riff on Jurassic Park, it's just because your scientists spent so much time thinking about whether they could, they didn't stop to think whether they should. Like, well, that's what defines a lot of noble failures. It's doing things because they're possible, and then like learning mm. why no one's done it before. Mm. That's a really good it, noble failure. It, it's one of those games like that I never played, but it has this kind of reputation going before it. You know, spoken about in hushed whispers. <laughs> In, in the bars where all the games journalists meet up. Matthew, what about you? What what noble failures are you uh, bringing to the... I mean, that, <clears throat> Nate's one is such a classic, mm. like, big, big example. I mean, the, the things I've got are, are kind of... They're sort of smaller swings, and some of them were maybe, like, okay, rather than being, like, to- total failures. Um, I've been thinking quite a lot about the council this week because of Vampire Swan yeah. Song. Yeah. Which uh, you obviously reviewed Swan Song last week, and it's a company called Big Bad Wolf, and their thing is like kind of a sort of social RPG, I guess is mm. the way of sort of describing them. And they're they're, they're both the Council and Swan Song are games where you, that there's there's not really much in the way of 
combat bar some sort of like quick time event or branching decisions but it treats they both treat like conversation as a, as a kind of battle yeah. and both of them revolve around having like a character sheet with stats that you upgrade and you're basically less so in the, I think Swan Song has a kind of better grip of it so I'll focus on the council in the council you kind of go to this mysterious island you're looking for your mother and your character stats they're all kind of like areas of expertise and this is an island that's populated with with various experts or great minds so kind of intelligence and a grasp of subject is quite mm. important for kind of like making headway with them it's a game that kind of captures the sensation of being in a conversation where you have like no idea what to say yeah. or like you literally don't understand the topic and you just kind of get cut out of it, you know. It, that that's the sort of fail state in this game, I guess. Is like there's lots of moments where you've built a character who just literally cannot function. So people are talking <laughs> about like European politics, and you just have to sit there like, um, <laughs> because you've got nothing to say on the matter, and it means you don't get that bit of the story. And I quite liked that it cut you off in that way. I, you know, it, it's maybe a bit of an extreme version of. You know, being at a dinner, you know, I find not that I've been to many dinner parties, but the ones that I have been to, the conversation kind of like balances out to make everyone comfortable, you know, like it would be quite an unpleasant experience for people to, to sort of uh, push on with something that was clearly alienating like two people at the table. <laughs> Well, um, Alice, it seems like Mr. Castle's going to inferior dinner parties. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to, I used to, when I lived in London, the people who owned our house used to have the the landlords, they lived in like the basement and then there were like seven people who lived in the house. Well, the landlord's goblins, that's a really weird <laughs> setup. <laughs> well, it was a very nice downstairs and downstairs led to this like nice studio they had out back. They were documentary filmmakers, they were really nice people, but they used to have dinner parties for everyone. For everyone in the house, like you know, once every two months or so, we'd all go down there and they'd put on a big meal for us. But we were all just thrust together completely randomly by the fact that we were housemates, mm. and the conversations were always absolutely baffling because everyone was so different. And like, we were all different, like nationalities, we had totally different careers, they were all quite impressive. Most of their careers were quite impressive. I was like editing official Nintendo at the time. So everything I had to say sounded completely frivolous to them because (laughs) all I thought about was video games. I remember once explaining Pikmin to a guy whose job it was to set up private chess tournaments. And he just looked at me like I was just the scum like someone had walked dog muck into the house <laughs> i was like there's these little vegetable guys and they collect giant fruit and his job was to set up one chess game a year one chess game for like millionaires to watch it was like his job was basically to set up a hitman level um <laughs> yeah so his that job was... sounds way more frivolous than yours though oh i don't know because like where you're like what are you doing this month and it's like oh, i'm working out what cigars are going to be at our chess match and things like that that's like that's frivolous it's just rich person frivolous yeah i know but it's so opulent and exciting there was someone there who worked at the bank of england and um they had they were kept telling us all these funny things about that happened at work but because of the privacy inside the place you couldn't like take any photos of it and they were saying that like the head of the bank of england his birthday cake was like (laughs) like a 50 pound like shaped and designed like a 50 pound note (laughs) Loser! <laughs> I just love the idea of the guys in charge of money having just a giant money cake for his birthday. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, sorry, um, I really took us off on a sidetrack there. But yes, was, the council, uh, oh. very good at capturing the the kind of the awkward <clears throat> sensation of not being able to make headway with someone and, and then sometimes finding someone you kind of can kind of click with and uh, I, and ultimately, you have to kind of dominate them in conversation, so it's a bit more aggressive than that. But um, yeah, like uh, an interesting approach to sort of narrative adventure, but with this sort of, sort of stats twist as well, which I'd like mm. to see more of. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right in that Swan Song has a better hand on it. There is a lot of walking about in Swan Song because I think sometimes the levels are almost too too broad and not and not dense. But I really like. I think it does capture how you can make a conversation a a fight really well mm. um just log on to twitter we can have the drum thing 
Yeah, hang on, say it again. Just log on to Twitter. <laughs> it's got this other weird thing where sometimes just because you can win an argument in a certain way, like say in you've got a you know a high rhetoric stat and one of the text options is a rhetoric thing and you can use mm. that to bludgeon them, it may still be the wrong thing to do. Like sometimes just getting the right answer without any kind of vocal flourish. Yeah. It kind of, it's I, I don't know if that's good or not because your brain thinks, well, I've invested all these points. Surely this should be an advantage. And then the game's like, nah, uh, uh. you know, you <laughs> yeah. lose, but you win. Uh, you know, you won, but you lost. Actually, what I wanted to do is this much more simple thing. Um, yeah, in, in Swan Song, you, if it gives you an option that uses one of your abilities, that will count as a win. But you can still also, if you pick the right non-power dialogue, you can still win. So I guess it's sort of a middle ground. It stepped back a bit from that. Right, yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, because like Swan Song was. I remember people talking about it when it came out, and sort of people being like, "Eh, it's mm, like it's sort of yeah, but it's not quite, and it's a bit weird at the end mm. <laughs> of the council." Yeah, I have a, a similar. A, again, it's a smaller swing, and it's a more recent one, and it segues nicely from vampires because it's va- vampire, vampire, vam- vampire with a Y. You oh know yeah, what I mean. Yeah. Oh, the yeah. trademark avoider. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Vampire the masquerade. It was just called just called vampire. What year was it? I'm going to look up now. What year it was because I can't remember. I want to say. I like, think that was 2018, wasn't it? Yeah. It was one of the earlier things I covered on Twi- the RPS YouTube channel. 2018, and that was a don't nod game. The known for um, uh, Life is Strange. Mm. I just thought it was so clever that in, in it, the way you level up and get XP is by eating people. <laughs> mm. And that's that's just like no other game, at least that I have heard of with vampires in, thought to do that. Now, and I th- you're going to have to clarify there. How is that different from just like getting XP by like shooting people though? You have to make the decision to to drink someone's blood, basically, and it, it's a it thing also, you can like. It's a thing you can only do a couple times, then you have to sleep. So you have to drink someone's blood and then do your vampire it, sleep, and then you'll be more powerful. Oh, interesting! It, yeah. it makes a slightly weird distinction between like there are kind of the the named NPC characters who you yeah. either do or don't drink, but then you do fight loads of bandits and humans who aren't part of that equation. Like it only yeah. counts with the named characters, which is oh, like, that's interesting. Like, like you don't get XP from killing mobs, basically. Mm. You get XP from like sort of the people from where- who matter. I don't know. I don't think there's like an in-world explanation for that. You just have to kind of go with it. <laughs> well, so it's, it's not, kind. It's, kind it of does a- work. Like it, it's there. Is it, it, sort of like you can't kind of eat everyone, if I remember correctly. There are there are times when it will be like, do you want to eat this person? And then if you choose to, you will then become more powerful and you know win fights and stuff. Yeah. But but also because you don't get XP from the combat, you can also just sort of get good at avoiding combat and like knowing the streets and knowing where stuff is and things. The problem is that there are boss fights in it, uh, and they are very bad boss fights. And also the combat in general is bad. <laughs> and it's just of a design decision that feels a bit like metro 2033 making the ammunition the currency like it's a, a classic sort of dilemma trade-off thing right yeah 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 because so the people that you can choose to eat or not like sometimes eating that person will have a bad effect on the world and that's really get you cool. towards kind of the bad ending mm. and yeah and i thought it was really cool but it's just a shame that quite a lot of the rest of the game was quite rubbish <laughs> Um, you can like re- remove quest lines and stuff if you eat someone who's you know would later have given you a load of side quests they're obviously not around for that and yeah i think the the problem i have with games like that is when you make is when you tie like moral decisions into like mechanical things my gamer brain only like it calculates all the mechanical stuff so you know like i, I don't i don't see this per i don't see this person or the gaming part of my brain, it doesn't see the person as like this real life thing that I'm weighing up whether or not I should kill them. Yeah. My brain's thinking, is this person a content node? And yeah. if I remove them from the game, 
will there be less content for me to enjoy? Like I want to, <laughs> like I'm a min maxer, and that overwrites like any sense of morality. I'm a, I'm a min on morality, max on content. Yeah, no, I, that's the single 100%. biggest problem with RPGs, I reckon. Yeah. Well, I like I love RPGs, and I love RPGs with romance and and like. Uh, personal relationship stuff, but I do. I don't role play it. Like I, know, I know some people listening probably do, but like I don't create a character, and then that character has like you know core beliefs or morals right. or stuff. Like I will just say whatever <laughs> to every person that I know will make the number go up. <laughs> you brutes. Which obviously in real life wouldn't work because like as soon as they were alone, they'd be like. Oh, well, she told me that she really liked my hat. Oh, she told me that hat was <laughs> stupid. Like, <laughs> just real, a game where the whole morality system is actually based on sincerity, where everyone's yeah. like, "You're really insincere. What insincere hero you are!" Um, yeah, that'd be really good if there was. It would be so complicated, and there'd be so little payoff. But like, <laughs> a game where it sort of tracks how many conflicting, hypocritical things you say would be really good. <laughs> Can I throw a little um, Sergio Questione into the mix? Yeah. I don't know why I said that. Do you think Spore counts as a noble failure? Because I spent ages thinking about it. I know. Because I can't work out if it was a noble failure or just like a game that didn't deliver on half of what it promised. Mm. It depends what you want. I felt like some people dug it because it what they wanted was just like character creator stuff and like the ability to make meme images and so it was like mission success but other people we wanted an actual all life life sim <laughs> well maybe i've said i must admit i didn't play it i, I looked at the screens and just thought nah like i've seen what's good about that game and it's like it's a chair but like the legs are dicks or whatever <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it was like fine it's not wrong <laughs> i was like fine i've had my fill <laughs> Because, like, if it had, I think basically what it comes down to, if it had delivered on what it said it was going to be, it would have been astonishing. But, like, actually, could any game do that? I'm not, I'm not sure. So, mm. yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a, a difficult one. Because I try, like, I, I don't know if it did it have like a, yeah. Because it's definitely a failure. Mm. You know, I mean, I'm not saying it like completely like sank without a trace, but yeah, it, it failed to do what people thought it was going to do. Is how I'm. I'm using mm. the word failure there. I'm just trying to work out how much nobility was inherent in that. Because there were, you know, starting off as like a little cell was good. And the continuity it did manage to string between the segments was really appealing. It was just how little of that there was, I suppose. You didn't really... You just basically felt you were using the same sort of skin in four mini-games. But, yeah, yeah Spore, folks. Because I suppose something like Cyberpunk would be like an ignoble failure <laughs> or duke nukem 2015 or whatever it was when did it come out oh i don't know but the one that was basically a studio taking 12 years to do a sh- like yeah. quite literally <laughs> and then throw it around for an yeah. achievement <laughs> good uh, god cyberpunk's a weird one because there's an awful lot I don't like about that game, but I also there's there's some absolutely amazing stuff that really took me by surprise because mm. how they sold it, how they package it up is like, oh, this is going to be like really edgy. This is, you know, all you edge lords, all here, you're going to love it. <laughs> um, and it, you know, and it really, it, it really kind of um, you know whipped that crowd up. I think, but actually, when you played it. Like it was, it was sort of weirdly heartfelt and sentimental. Like it, the the fact that the storyline deals with you know like a, a band of legendary heroes who kind of either died or kind of went out of business years ago, and then you kind of meet them all in their washed up form. I actually thought it was a quite like nuanced tale. Mm of kind of, I want to say like failed ambitions, but just what it is to sort of grow old in this world that's kind of like sort of fascinated with the new and you were the kind of hotness once. And like there's a definite like pocket, and particularly the storyline like around like there's there's like a strand where you kind of sort of have to get sort of the Johnny Silverhand sort of friends back together. And it's quite wistful in a way that actually really took me by surprise. Mm. And like, obviously none of that was in the promotion and it isn't the vibe they wanted to, to, to give out. But I, you know, I was like a game of just that. I, I would absolutely like love. That's what I kind of mean by 
it being an ignoble failure in the, it like wasn't kind of what it it purported to be but in a different way to, to how you you'd normally think that kind of stuff and it it, it was such a a kind of failure of the the pre-release hype and the marketing and stuff and i uh. i i also have like a kind of personal annoyance kind of stake in it for for reasons that aren't really the game's fault but it you know like we did a couple of articles that were critical of it pre-release and like one of our writers got death threats and stuff oh you know, that, and, like, yeah that was vile so much abuse for not liking this game there were videos being like suggesting that we were paid to be mean about it because of because of something to do with the epic store um like this oh, real like yeah, yeah. this like, real like charlie kind of conspiracy board thing and yeah. then as soon as the game came out and it wasn't that edgelord stuff the same kind of nerds immediately turned around and started having to go at games outlets for being too positive about it oh, and like it building up the hype and stuff run it's it just absolute- astonishing Running the YouTube the absolute, channel like, at the time was so yeah. grim because a lot of people don't know. They assume when they hear Rock Paper Shotgun in the YouTube ecosystem, they're like, oh, well, it must be a YouTube channel. So they came on and were just hounding us. Like, you can't, you know, we had to add like every cyberpunk associated word to our muted words list. Like, you literally cannot write an opinion of cyberpunk on that channel because it was just pure junk. Yeah. And so I the hate, game is those, kind those of internet hate preachers, man. They, it, they it's suck. kind of inextricable from the culture around it for me. Yeah, which is why I kind of think of it as ignoble. In yeah, you know, which is probably not fair on the game because yeah. there is a well, lot in the, the thing, game the, that's the, interesting. The stuff I would say the, the stuff that is truly great in that game is aimed exactly at people like me and not those people. Mm. It's such a weird, it's what a weird old mess that that thing is, but. Um, yeah. Sorry, I've gone quiet. I'm just really sad. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what? No, it's, you... it's just weird. We're just discussing, like, yeah, <laughs> the actual rotten heart of the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh. well, what? Have you got any other games to add to the list? Oh, I did, and I've completely bloody forgotten. I'll jump in before the cavern if I remember it. Okay. Because one oh. I was going to mention as well, um, I don't know. I don't. It's it's another recent one. I don't know how if it exactly fits into into the the topic, but the sinking city, right? Yeah, I was. Re- I really enjoyed your writing about that. Actually, that was interesting. It really kind of was taking a swing at like because there was a lot of discussion at the time as well about like hand holding versus not hand holding. And for if for the listeners who don't know, the sinking city is a game. Um, it's by Frogwares who do the um sherlock holmes games and it was a third person like detective game where lovecraftian you turn up in this sort of new england town that's been flooded and there's a lot of stuff going on but the, the big thing was like you don't get quest markers you get like a quest saying uh there's a house at the corner of this street and that street or whatever and then you have to look on the map where that is like you have to follow little clues and stuff and the idea was kind of like i could see you can see what they're doing and you can see why at the time people were like no you know gamers are smart and they don't need a million quest markers and but in practice it just felt like doing like orienteering <laughs> and like because i was really into that concept i genuinely thought that was really exciting because the moment i start to really enjoy open world games is generally when i start to get an actual sense of direction in the world like a I remember with Horizon Zero Dawn getting a real rush of pleasure that I'd stuck with it long enough to have an actual instinct for where places were Mm. and think, oh, I need to stop off at Grimy Gubbins' house to get a new wangler for my crossbow. Oh, I can do that on my way to shoot that massive iron pig. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that feels lovely. I think think the problem the Sinking City had is that like the city itself didn't feel... It didn't feel like it had sort of discrete enough areas and a lot of it looked the same and they had to reuse a lot of assets and stuff. There were some houses that you were sort of like, oh, I know how to get there from, but there were very few of them. I don't know. How do you navigate cities in in real life, Alice? Do you sort of go by landmarks and stuff? It depends. Like once you've been living there a while, obviously you just sort of know where stuff is. Google Maps. Yeah. 
Because I can only like I'm I've got a very poor sense of direction and I can only find my way around places by like imagining sort of photographs in my head of a certain bit of the town and a landmark from a certain angle <laughs> and then yeah. sort of stringing a few of those together. So kind of like um kind of like the uh, the screens in a in an old point-and-click adventure game. Oh God, and what a nightmarish way of comprehending the world. Yeah, it's hell. Um, <laughs> like the but, pre-rendered uh, backgrounds with fixed camera angles of a Resident Evil game. Yeah, literally like that. And I imagine myself walking through them, and I can only work out how to get from a place to another place once I've got a whole string of those screens. And that, yeah, it really makes me sound quite... Uh, not neurotypical, doesn't it? <laughs> I, I I have a pretty good sense of direction. I mean, compared to my partner, especially my partner, it like has no idea where anything is. Bearing in mind that we have moved to the area where he grew up and spent most of his life, and I already am able to orient myself better. Um, but like, does every no, morning I, does he scream in surprise at the sea? Yeah, <laughs> oh, he's like uh, my cichlids. <laughs> But no, I'm really good because I, I think like if you can pick, uh, it's quite easy here as well because like the the estuary is in that direction. So if you can orient things by which way they face, you know, around the water and stuff, it's really easy. If you just sort of always know where one thing is, then you can orient everything around that. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah, that's like there's a big church on a hill in the middle of Warsaw. Yeah, and obviously because I'd spent most of lockdown well inside. Like I've been trying to find my, I've been learning the layout of the town quite a lot uh, since like the middle of last year, and yeah, so far it, it, that that church has been really, really handy because it's just got a big stick pointing into the sky <laughs> wherever I am. It's in a lot of my screens. That one. Well, my my partner does this thing where he he will orient himself. By imagining that, so like if we're sitting in the living room, he'll say, Oh, well, you know, the shop is over that way. And we'll point in like completely the wrong direction because he is imagining that he is facing as if he just stepped out the front door. But you're not like, (laughs) Yeah, but you're not facing that way. You're now facing the opposite direction because you have dodged. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Can you imagine me and him trying to get the Duke of Edinburgh Award? <laughs> would die. <laughs> it's, but it's sort of like like well, if I was facing that direction, then I would be pointing in the right way. But you're not. So <laughs> anyway, how do do you have a good sense of direction, Matthew? I mean, I, I I like never leave Bath, and I know Bath inside out now, so I'm fine here. Um, there you go. Um, well, the problem I don't have is I don't know the name of like any streets or anything. So I've I've got a terrible habit. If I see a lost tourist, I'll always offer to help, but then they'll inevitably ask, say something by street name, and then I'm absolutely screwed. And then I just look like a pest who's like bothered them with no answers. <laughs> How so. do people remember street names though? For real, like yeah, they're all rubbish. I could tell you where any shop is, but I don't know what street any of them is on. But anyway, the Sinking City. Uh, yeah, you basically you have to do that because it will say like go to Smith Street at the intersection of. But isn't that just you know Junk Lane? My problem with um, my problem with their games and their like open world thing because they did it in that recent Sherlock Holmes one as well is that instead of someone just putting a map marker on the map, you get given an address which you then look up on a map and put down a map marker. Yeah. So all it does is add some extra faff. You're not actually working like anything out. It's just. Yeah. I don't know, but I, I think I, I, it's a bit of a. But I think their things a bit of for me is a bit of a bust. Like I hope they move I, on. They, they've done a lot better with it in Sherlock Holmes Chapter One. I have to say because they've a made the city it has distinct areas, and b they did a lot more like you know the house with the red door, like a lot more like right. directions as normal people give them. Yeah, you know, like and you'll see the big the yellow clock tower, and then to the right of that like that rather than manual google maps mm. um, more like sherlock can't find the homes yeah <sighs> delete that one <laughs> i want when i lived in london you reminded me matthew that i first that when i first moved to london i spent a, about a month renting a place in 
a house that this guy was a really nice like Georgian townhouse and the guy that owned it was spending a lot of money doing it up but making it like a Georgian house so like right. he had a TV but it was hidden behind like a bookshelf because he didn't want it to look like he had a TV and like I there Ooh. were there were lights in my room but I didn't have like a desk lamp I had a f- candle he Weird. did have an eerie servant in a powdered wig <laughs> that sounds like um, you remember there's that as that um villain in stingray and he like lives in a shack and then there's basically every surface in the shack twists over and then there's like evil computers that he uses <laughs> to like plot his sea business um, <laughs> it's a bit like that except it's like a weird house that turns into a normal house like its secret identity is it's just got the regular stuff you actually want <laughs> but anyway i when i lived in london i used to get the bus to work every day and i always went past uh, an estate agent's called Holmes, as in Sherlock Holmes Estates, and I was always uh, livid that they hadn't called it Holmes Holmes. Yeah. I always so wanted I to you? write a Thor and Sherlock fanfic called Holmes Under the Hammer. <laughs> that was a good joke. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Oh, well, it must be so because we heard the drum. <laughs> Vindicated. <laughs> anyway, on that, we should probably head down into Nate's wiki hole. <laughs> Of lights. <laughs> yes, come on down. <laughs> the cavern of lies. Describe the cavern to us this week, Nick. Welcome to the cavern. We are in a massive. It is actually a cavern today. Um, you'll be glad to know. It's in a deep, deep excavation in the Arizona desert, or maybe the New Mexico desert. You know, one of those ones, and. The walls and the floor are lined with time-ruined, compacted, agglomerated mounds of buried Atari games. It's the E.T. one that got buried in the desert. And this is where I've excavated and built my Museum of Noble Failures, because it seemed thematically appropriate. Uh, And what I've got is several stasis fields... Uh, containing teams of developers caught at the moment they realized they could never make their their game into a reality. Um, it's like a museum of sorrow. Uh, these, these humans frozen forever at the moment their dreams were crushed. I've been sold these groups of like stasis trap developers by a warlock. He's the warlock of Cheddar Gorge. And I've recently seen a program on the telly about how he's a bit of a rogue trader. Okay. And sometimes he just arranges photo shoots uh, for people to dress up as game developers. And then he tells them something sad and freezes them in time and then sells them as, as one of these exhibits. And I'm, I'm quite cross at that. Uh, and apparently, two of my uh, vignettes of of human failure are actually just innocent people, and I need them to be freed. Sorry, okay. the plot's very involved in this just, one. <laughs> oh, just innocent men, <laughs> just normal men. Yeah, I just need you to uh, to to sniff out the people who uh, don't deserve to be trapped forever in a frozen moment um, for for not releasing a viable commercial product. Okay. All right. First, we've got Gotcha from 1973. Um, So Gotcha was meant to come out on the Atari Jaguar uh, and was being developed by a firm called The Dome. Uh, And it was was a, a multiplayer game. So basically, there were some light bulbs on the screen, two sets, and your team had to turn on, well, or your your player, I suppose, or your team had to turn on all the light bulbs before the other team could get on their, their light bulbs. And to stop the other team getting their bulbs on, you could fight them with some very, very simple close combat. What Can I inquire as to the punctuation on the name Gotcha? Because it sounded like there might be some. Uh, no, there's no exclamation mark. I'm just uh, making it happen. Okay. Um, Sorry, um, I said 1973. Big difference, 1995. Okay, I was going to say, I was going to say the Atari Jaguar is a 90s thing. I, was, that's, yeah. I, thought, I thought you'd really biffed it there, but... <laughs> no, no, I, um, 
there were two games on Wikipedia called Gotcha. Oh, okay. And yeah, I yeah. So this was 1995. Sorry. I mean, if so this was, is if this is fake, this is a very deep play. Yeah, I'm. Unfortunately, I can't really tell you why these men have been imprisoned in stasis because um, it was cancelled very suddenly, and the only evidence of it ever having been in development uh, is one screenshot from a games magazine. Mm. So well, there you go. I like well, that you're punishing these men for just presumably having their hard work unseen. Yeah, you know, that's just put the boot in, really, aren't it's I? It's a rough deal. I mean, this, so, this, I would say off the top of my head, this feels real, like the whole mm. mistaken date thing. That feels way too complicated for Nate to make up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know. Okay. Next, we've got American Hero, which was another Atari Jaguar game, uh, Atari Jaguar CD, I should say. Yeah. And this one actually got killed by the failure of the Jaguar because, yeah, basically the life support got taken off it by the time it was ready. Uh, so this was, it was going to, its big gimmick was a thing called Game Film. Uh, which was one of the many, many attempts to present the interactive movie format as something that the developer had invented. But yeah, it was an interactive movie game uh, starring a character called Jack Devon, uh, who had to save Los Angeles from a tainted water supply. Mm. And it had some some real actors in it, like Timothy Bottoms, Uh Gustav Vintas, and Musetta Vander. Big so, toast, toast of London energy. So, uh, but Timothy Bottoms never saw the light of day. Like I say, um, although some playable prototypes have surfaced since um, since it was binned. So it sounds like it sounds like a direct to video Steven Seagal film. Very much that energy. What's it called again? Um, American Hero. American Hero. Vague. Mm-hmm. Uh, so next we've got Ken Follett's. Pillars of the Earth. Um, <laughs> you are not hearing me wrong. This was an adaptation of the 1989 historical novel uh, about three generations of a medieval family uh, building a cathedral um, in the 12th century. Um, like this, many... This like, immediately, immediately feels like Nate and entertaining <laughs> himself. <laughs> well, it would, wouldn't it? Um so this is 1992 from Impressions. Um, yes, that's right. The same Impressions who made uh, one of my all-time favorites, uh, Pharaoh, the city builder. Right. So it was going to be a point and click. Uh, looked pretty good for the time. This is 92. Unfortunately, it had classic adaptation syndrome from like the early 90s when before games could do that much. Yes, there were, you know... There's presumably a fair amount of dialogue and stuff from the book in it. There was also a lot of sword fights, definitely more than occurred in the novel. Um, Which was mainly a man stressing about archers. <laughs> yeah, there were some puzzles and some mysteries in it. Um, so if you remember in uh, in the book, there's the bit where the cathedral's on fire and the main characters in the rafters trying to work out how to get out. You know, that was presented as like a puzzle sequence. <laughs> like actually quite quite a clever way to deal with it. There was a lot of wandering around like construction, medieval construction sites, uh picking up items and like working out what, you know, rotten plots are foot in the nearby abbey, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh but yeah, also a lot of killing rats with a sword, uh which which I I don't remember Follett being that keen of keen on. So there Ooh. we go. Another licensed one here. Uh, <laughs> Penn and Teller's Smoke and Mirrors uh, for the Sega CD, uh, which was meant to come out in 1995. I'm sure that's a real one. And it was was a series of minigames which were literally just there for you to trick your friends with. Like basically saying, oh, look at this cool game, have a play, and it would turn out to be shit or impossible or maddening. Which I think is actually a really good idea. Not uh, a bit of a one-trick horse, but, you know, pretty cool. Uh, It was made by Imagineering, and unfortunately their publisher went out of business uh, before it could be released. However, the the game was finished. 
there has been a copy circulating uh, since the early 2000s online. Uh, apparently, it's really, really shit, though. Mm. So that's Penn and Teller's Smoke and Mirrors. Okay. Mm, okay. Uh, I do like that one of the mini games. I will say was called Mofo the Psychic Gorilla. Mm. God, that's such uh, a, where that's such a gorilla a on the screen from Nate tries to predict what card you've pulled out of a pack based on you have to sort of interview the gorilla. It's yeah, it's very weird. It's very weird. It's very cool. Very me. I like it. Uh, and finally, we've got ACDC's Highway to Hell. Mm-hmm. Um, which was a cancelled 2005 open world driving shooting game that was going to be uh, made by Vivendi Universal um, for PlayStation and PC, PlayStation 2, I should say. Uh, so it's basically sort of Mad Max stuff. You're ACDC driving around, and there'd be music <laughs> from ACDC, and like, you know, the imagery used in their shows and promotional material and stuff really, you know, probably quite creatively bankrupt, but uh, presumably they had a tour uh, or something. It wanted, they wanted to coincide with it. Um, This happened with a couple of games, actually. Metallica was going to have a game when Stanger came out uh, in 2003, but that, that never happened. So yeah, it was ACDC in the end that had to deliver the news. The game was canceled, which I thought was a bit rough because it wasn't their fault. Um, there were plans for a remake on the PlayStation Portable, um, but it never really came to anything. In fact, it looks pretty clear that the game died quite early on in its life cycle because all anyone's ever seen uh, is some concept art of weird, meaty-faced renditions of the band ACDC dressed in rather pathetic, spiky armor um, on like motorbikes and stuff. <sighs> So there you go. Um, Our five gangs of hapless developers. Gotcha! American Hero, Ken Follett's Pillars of the Earth, Penn and Teller's Smoke and Mirrors, and ACDC Highway to Hell. There's two two fakes in there. Good luck. Tricky. Okay. Okay. (sighs) Gotcha's real. Do you know that, or do you think that? I, I, um, I think that. I think that's real. I think the whole confusion about the date and everything—it was just too. It was too complicated. Pen and Teller's smoke and mirrors is real because that's where um, Desert Bus comes from. Oh bollocks! That's Desert Bus. <laughs> that's Desert Bus for hope. <laughs> that was going to be my big la di da rubbing it in moment. Uh, if you if you got that one wrong. <laughs> so we just have so, to pick two fakes from American Hero, Pillars of the that Earth. That one's real. So that one's real. Yeah. I think the ACDC one is fake. Thing is, there is a there's a new Pillars of Earth game that came out like four years ago, but whether or not there was mm. one before, someone has tri- like the idea of someone wanting to make a game of it isn't um too out there because it has happened. Maybe, but it's whether maybe it- yeah, maybe that's his Double bluff. But the whole thing of like, I think Pillars of the Earth about building that he tied it to fair. That feels like a that feels a bit too neat. That's something I'd do. Like, oh well, if they ask me, I could be like, well, I guess they, I guess they did it because they made the building game, so they were interested in architecture, so they're a natural fit <laughs> to make <laughs> Pillars of the Earth. Do you, well, okay, so you're convinced Gotcha is real. Do, yeah. do you want to look at American Hero, or are we pretty sure that's real as well? It sounds too. It sounds too, almost like too too crap to be fake. I think you try hard. I think. I think it's Pillars of the Earth and ACDC. But I'm fairly sure that ACDC is because. Yeah, I'm fairly sure ACDC is fake because I can't imagine why anyone would make an ACDC game. Yeah. And if you did, it would just be the Guitar Hero. I'm well, sure there was there, an isn't there a Guitar, guitar Hero ACDC? Yeah. So I do you want to go for Pillars of the Earth? And I'll I'm go going to say ACDC. Pillars of the Earth. Yeah, I'm going to flush that All right. tank. All right. Okay. So you, uh, I glumly hand you the remote control to activate the stasis field or deactivate it, and 
you do and the people just scream in terror for a few minutes uh, because they're in a hole in the ground uh, on a podcast uh, and then one of them begins loading a pistol and aiming it at me. However, they fire and the shots are dud and they have no more ammunition. Unless you happen to get the other one and free someone with some bullets, I'm going to live. Wait, was that real? Wait, was that real? <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the fake game. The, the oh, I, I got so... Uh, that was such a complicated slice of, of cavern lore. I was like, what is happening? Yeah, so I'm just way too into the plot of this one. That's, that's, that's what I'm really here for. Okay. Uh, What's next? So is that Pillars of the Earth? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I want to flash ACDC, please. Okie dokie. I've had it too good for too long. <laughs> Because I was about to rock. Uh, you, you press the remote control button. The team of developers rip off uh, their Mission Impossible style masks to reveal they are actually the band ACDC. And the other team of developers you freed says, Oh, wow, ACDC, big fan of your work. Got any bullets? Yeah! And he throws across uh, some ammunition of exactly the right type and... Uh, I'm annihilated by two gunshots to the head. Oh, um, no. It's also a fake game, and you're responsible for my death. So that was a fake game? Yeah, you destroyed me. You oh, absolutely destroyed me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel devastated. Get out. I've got to reassemble myself. Oh, sorry, Nate. Don't worry. The Alabaster Titan um, is carrying a spare brain for me, uh, and I'll regenerate overnight. Like an axolotl. Exactly. I thank you, Nate, for that count. I didn't think we were gonna gonna dispatch that one so so efficiently. Yeah, that, that was really impressive. I got it up my game big time. <laughs> I think it's because after all this time, Matthew and I both got quite good at, at spotting a Nate story. Do you know? Yeah, my this is this is scary that my element of unpredictability. You're basically immune to it. Um, <laughs> you're going to have to hire Tom Builder to build you a better cathedral of lies that's all we've got time for this week on the Electronic Wireless Show except recommendations because every week we recommend something that isn't a video game Matthew what are you recommending this week? I am recommending the film Everything Everywhere All at Once um, the hectic Michelle Yeoh multiverse action comedy in which a slightly harried laundrette owner um, is pulled into a mad multiverse adventure where she fights Jamie Lee Curtis um, as a sort of demented IRS agent. Um, Really bonkers. I thought the trailers looked like it might be quite trying, but actually it's like super sincere and very, very funny and like just lands all of its ideas. Just properly big, bonkers, exciting film. I loved it. Wow. That sounds great. It does sound good. I've seen a lot of people saying it's really good, actually. It's got even got it's got a voice cameo from Randy Newman. Um, wow! In an, in an extended Ratatouille parody, which I won't spoil. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I watched Ratatouille Italy at the weekend. That's lovely. Oh, well, you should. I think you'd like it. It's 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 good, zany. Sounds uh, good. We just write that down. Uh, I am going to recommend uh, the book Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmus. It is, you'll probably have seen it in stores. It's been advertised quite heavily, but it is very good. Um, it's set in the 60s and it's this, uh, you know, 60s feminist uh, chemist unexpectedly becomes a single mother because her, her do I won't spoil it, she becomes a single mother and uh, because she's a feminist and an unmarried single mother, she's shunned, but then she becomes uh, the presenter on a cooking show and uh, but she she teaches she talks about cooking only in terms of the chemistry of it because women are smart enough and it's a it's a bit it's a bit rah rah women be smart kind of posh white feminism but it's written in a very entertaining way and it was very enjoyable uh, to read so that's my recommendation Nate what are you recommending this week so first of all just going to report back that uh, Thermae Romae Novae the uh anime about a Roman bath architect who time travels to Japan to pick up hot spa tips, uh, which I recommended purely based on the concept, is actually amazing. I've been watching it and I love it. And <laughs> do you know what, actually? 
I am going to recommend Pillars of the Earth because I was thinking about it loads while desperately okay. trying to think of a way to fool you. It is just a, a banger of a book. Big, fat, historical fiction, classic. I'm not a medieval historian, but from what I know, I think the history holds up fairly well. And yeah, it'll just make you think loads about cathedrals, but not like in a God way, just in a kind of a crikey, they're big way. <laughs> Good stuff. Joe Good. Thank you, everyone, for listening uh, to the Electronic Wireless Show this week. Uh, this was the best noble failures in games. You can find Rock Paper Shotgun on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Just search Rock Paper Shotgun. You can email us, uh, especially email us with uh, your origin stories for Matthew's character this week, Wolf Carlton, <laughs> podcast at Rock Paper Shotgun. Dot com. You can also join the Discord, which uh, Nate was shouting out there, and I'll put a show a link to that in the show notes. And uh, you can, of course, visit rockpapershotgun.com for all your PC gaming needs. But for now, and until next week, it's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from Wolf Carlton, and it's goodbye, goodbye from Sir Clarence Letter. Bye. Goodbye.